that your neighbor is refreshed by the will of God. That we walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That we are fruitful unto every good work. That Lift your hands and begin to give him praise this morning. Give him praise this morning. Give him praise this morning. And be deliberate about thanksgiving this morning. Begin to thank him this morning. Give him thanks unto the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Lord, that we are found in you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, that we are complete in you. Lagas kalana baba. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that this morning we take our place in your plan, in your purpose, in your will, in your mandate concerning our lives. And we rejoice that this morning we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Ghost. So, Lord, we declare that this morning we speak words which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spirituals with spiritual. And we decree that your people are equipped, our hearts are excited, our minds are open, and our spirits are ready to receive illumination by your word. So I declare that the entrance of your word give it light this morning. Whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. We rebuke sickness, we rebuke disease, we rebuke oppression, we rebuke destruction in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice that as your word goes forth, Lord, revelation knowledge grows big in our hearts. Nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise and glory and honor for answered prayer this morning. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Amen. Glory. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle. To do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Are we excited to fellowship in the word this morning? Can we rejoice and celebrate our fellowship this morning? Glory to God. Whoa! All right, grab your pen, your notebook, your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self this morning. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of our social media community, brothers and sisters online. What a joy and an honor to have all of you connected to the service. I'd like you to do me the favor you've always done. I want to deliberately this morning to make sure you share the video of this service. We want to get this word to the end 
ends of the earth. We want to make sure people that are sincerely seeking for the truth of the gospel are connected to what we're teaching this morning. So share the videos, tag some people, drop them in as many groups as possible. Make sure also those of you that are watching for the first time, you subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's Abel Damina Ministries International on YouTube. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, and engage in the course of the service. Let's get this message to the ends of the earth. We also want to welcome those of you that are connected by way of radio in Aquaibom State. What a joy, what an honor, what a blessing to have all of you connected to the service today. Wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, I'd like you to call a friend, a family member, ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. We also want to welcome all the citizens, all the citizens around the world. What a joy to welcome all of you and to have all of you connected to this service and to have all of you this morning built up, equipped and edified. Get ready. It's going to be an exciting adventure as we research and as we, you know, delve into the riches of redemption. Can I have a powerful amen? Well, it's been an exciting week of Christianity Conference. How many of you have learned? How many of you have grown? How many of you have been edified this whole week? If you have, can I have a powerful living amen? All right. Two of my books are out and I'll encourage you to get them. Um, This one is The Move of God. The move of God, and this one is the ministry of the word and the work of ministry. These are very brutal books that will help you a lot with the things we, you know, that God will have us do as a church. I want to encourage you to make sure you get a copy. Those watching online, order for it, order for a copy of a copy of each of the books. And those of you in the campuses, I'm sure they they might have copies of it in the Lagos areas today. And they also might have copies of these in the Abuja area and all the other areas. You know, but make sure you get grab copies of this book. I labor to put all of this together because I believe in you. If I didn't believe in you, I will not waste my time. I labor because I believe in you. You must also show that you believe in yourself. So invest into these materials. Buy them and start reading them before we even use them for Sunday school. Buy them and begin to read them. Buy the truth and sell it not. It's better to buy books than to buy a pair of shoes. It's very important. It's better to buy books than to buy a pair of shoes. Because if you understand the books, you will own a shoe manufacturing company. So it's important. Make sure you get them. Father, I pray for these books. As these books go all over the earth, equipping the saints, building ministry out of people, causing people to walk in the light of the gospel. I pray that these epistles, these materials, Lord, will get into the hearts of people that are sincerely and hungry, desiring to be equipped and to be taught and to be sound in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I decree that every word in this book is inspired by the Holy Ghost. And as people read, revelation knowledge grows. Thank you, Lord, that these books are not restricted to to all of the nations of the earth. And we declare that, Lord, the glory and the honor is yours. And we rejoice that an army of people are being equipped all over the earth that will fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of your word. And we give you praise for the blessing over these materials in Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. So the books are available for you to get them immediately after this service and you can order for them immediately. All right, let's get into the word this morning. We are looking at the last lap of our teaching on understanding the call of God understanding the call of god ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 ephesians chapter 1 verse 16 what is that what translation is that i never asked for hcsb i asked for king james version i cease not to give thanks for you 
making mention of you in my prayers. That's verse 16, 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, we took time in the course of the week to reconstruct that verse. Because we established that God doesn't give you another spirit outside of salvation. So salvation is receiving the spirit. It is called to be born of the spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. So salvation is to be born of the spirit. God says I will put my spirit within you. And I will cause you to walk in my statues. So salvation is receiving the spirit. So God doesn't give you another spirit after salvation. So that Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, put it up again. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, and we reconstructed that, may grant you the spirit, may grant you wisdom, which is insight, may grant you wisdom, which is insight and revelation, which is to uncover and revelation in the knowledge of him. May grant you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And how does he grant that? Next verse. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It means to flash light on the surface. Being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So we said hope is a destination or a course that you chart. Hope is a destination or a course that you chart. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 speaks of a heavenly calling. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So he calls the calling a heavenly one, which means the call of God is a supernatural calling. A supernatural calling. The word calling is the Greek word kaleo. K-A-L-E-O. Kaleo in the Greek. And we said it's taken from a Hebrew word kwara. Q-A-R-A in the Hebrew. I am saying because calling is why we have the word ecclesia. Ecclesia. Ecclesia is E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. It means the church. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 17, Jesus said, tell it to the church. Tell it to the ecclesia. I will build my ecclesia. The word church in the Greek is the word ecclesia and it has two words combined. The word Ek, E-K, which means out, ek, out, and the word kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, kaleo, means to call, to call. We said that a calling, therefore, has three functions, three functions. So, ecclesia means the called out ones, the called out ones. And this calling has three functions. For example, it means to call out of darkness into the marvelous light. The book of First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Put it up for me. First Peter chapter 2 verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. 
and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So called out of darkness into light is a calling. So you can also call out to, like I scream your name, like I scream your name, all right? And then when I scream your name, you now respond to me to call out or to call you out of. Then the name I call you, the name I call you. So three things, at the preaching we call out. When the gospel is preached, we are calling out. The word call out means to summon. We are summoning. Whenever you hear the gospel preached, it is a summoning. It is a call. Alright, now, the fellow we preach to, if he heeds the message, two things he is responding to. He heeds to the fact that we called him out of where he is. That's the first one. He is hidden to the fact that we have called him out of where he is. And also, we have called him a new name. We have called him out of where he is, and we have called him a new name. So the call of God carries the three things. When we are preaching the gospel, when we are declaring the good news of Jesus, we are not just telling a story. We are calling out of. We are summoning people. We are calling them out of so we can give them a name. Again, we call out of. You are in the world. So when we call you, we call you out of the world by preaching. We call you out of the world by preaching. <clears throat> now, we call out to you. That's the preaching. We call out to you when you heed we call you out and when you heed we give you a name we call out to you by preaching when you heed we call you out when you heed we give you a name if you're still here can i have a powerful amen now so the call of god carries the three things when we are preaching the gospel when we are declaring the gospel of christ we, you, you respond to the gospel. The name we give you is that you are forgiven. Is that you are justified. We give you a name sanctified. We give you a name righteous. We give you a name blessed. Glory to God. So a calling carries those three things that are very important. Don't forget it. It is a call out to you. The preaching of the gospel is a call out to you. When you respond, we call you out. When you respond, we give you a name or we call you a name. And these three things are what we call the call of God. And notice in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19 and 20. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
Amen. Now, Jesus says, we have also established the phrase, end of the world. Lo, I am with you to the end of the world. Alright, now, we said that the end of the world means the fulfillment of God's plan. The fulfillment of God's plan. When God's home is, is fully built. When God's home is fully built. So it means he called them to be part of his inheritance. He called them to be part of his inheritance. And we've established that inheritance is to be part of God's world. To be part of God's world. Or the end of God's world. Inheritance in scripture is not acquisition of material things. We saw that Abraham was called out of wealth. Out of wealth to a land I will show you. He left his father's house. He didn't live as a poor person. He didn't live with a pair of shoes. He left his father's house with substance. And he left his father's house with people. So he was a wealthy guy. So when we're talking about Abraham's blessings, don't be thinking of cars and houses and property because that's not what God blessed Abraham with. Abraham was already wealthy. He had property. He had housemates. He, has, he had house helps. In fact, let me give you an idea of the kind of wealth that Abraham had because some of you may not know that that guy was stinkingly rich. Abraham, when they took Lot away from him, took 300 trained servants living in his house. 300 policemen, trained, armed, living in his house. And arguably, they were married. Some of them had children, and they all lived in Abraham's house. So the question you want to ask is, what kind of house must he have had? Even the governor of your state doesn't have that kind of, of you know, staff to attend to him in his house. That's how wealthy Abraham was. Trained men. And anywhere there are trained men, there must be the untrained one to attend to the trained one. The guy was wealthy before he was called. So he wasn't called to wealth. He was called out of wealth to a land I will show you. God didn't call Abraham to make him wealthy. God called Abraham from wealth for a different thing. So I'm talking about the wealth of Abraham. Stop thinking of material things like money and cars and houses. This guy already had all of that. That's why he took 300 and that's not all the number. That's the number he took. We don't know the total number of trained men that were in his house because you can't take everybody. Because if you take everybody, what if they come from the back door? So you will leave some at home and take some with you. And all of these are Abraham's bodyguards. You must have some good money to have bodyguards. People don't just have bodyguards. Because you, you need to pay them and pay them well. If not, they are the first people that will take you out. Good teaching here. So this guy was wealthy. And God called him out. So we saw that Abraham was called out of wealth. He left his father's house with things. He was called to a land he could only see by revelation. To a land I will show you. He never got to the land. Never. Because when Isaac was called, he was also shown the same land. Which means Abraham never got to it. 
So when Abraham was gone, Isaac also was shown the same land that Abraham was shown. He was called to a land he could only see Isaac to, could only see this land by revelation. And Isaac never got to the land. Because when Isaac was called, he was shown the land. And then Isaac handed over the same revelation to Jacob. Jacob also saw the same land, but Jacob never got to the land. So the land Abraham saw, the land Isaac saw, the land the grandson Jacob saw, none of them ever got to the land. Because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 40 tells us, Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 40, it tells us God having provided some better thing for, give me from 39, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 39. And this all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Because the promise was that land. The promise was that land that God was going to take them to. Hebrews chapter 11 where we are. Look at the pretext in verse 8. Let's read together. Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 8. By faith Abraham when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance. Obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. Pay attention. Next verse. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Next verse. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Next verse. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now hold on. A city whose builder and maker is God did not exist in the world. Such a city was never in existence anywhere. So which means when God was showing Abraham that city and that land, it was revelation, it was not physical. Now, pay attention. Verse number 12 and 13 of the same chapter. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude. And as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. 13. These all died in faith. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob died in faith, still waiting for that land. They never got there till they died. But having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Once they saw that land, they lost taste for the earth. They wanted to be part of that land. Now, the reason was because that land was a heavenly promise. It was a heavenly, which means it was a supernatural promise. Look at verse 14 to 16 of the same chapter 11 of Hebrews. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now, 
They desire a better country. That is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he had prepared for them a city. The word city there in the Greek is the word polis. P-O-L-I-S. Polis. It means a place and a people. A place and a people. What God showed Abraham is a place and a people. And that place and people were innumerable people. There is no piece of property anywhere that has, that has innumerable people. Israel in the Middle East cannot be the place. The people in Israel are numbered. Israel as a government has the population. It has a census of its, its, its citizenry. Nigeria has its own population. America has its own population. So there is no such place on earth where people are innumerable. Which means this is spiritual reality. Because he saith, it will spread to the east, to the west, to the south, and to the north. In you shall all families of the earth be blessed. So what did God promise Abraham? Israel or the earth? I want to hear your answers. The earth. Heaven and earth. Look at what Melchizedek said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 verse number 19. Genesis 14:19 And he blessed him and said, "Blessed be Abraham of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth." Who is possessor of heaven and earth? Abraham, possessor of heaven and earth. So the inheritance of Abraham is to be part of what God is doing on the earth. Your inheritance is that you have a path in what God is doing. And what is God doing? From the Genesis plan, God is building a home. God is building a home. So your inheritance is not material things. Your inheritance is also not of your personal use. Your inheritance is that you are a part of what God is doing on the earth. We said Jesus got to the temple and he said, My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. In John chapter 14 verse 2, Jesus said, In my father's house. So there's a building project. In my father's house. If we had read well, we wouldn't have thought that when Jesus was talking, you know, about going to die, he was talking about going to heaven. When Jesus was talking of dying, he was not talking about going to heaven. He was talking about dying to make the completion of the Father's project a reality. Now, so Abraham was called to an inheritance. That inheritance is what God is doing on the earth. Now notice. God inspired men to write his word in their own language. God inspired men to write his word in their own language. What we call the word of God is human language. Hebrew and Greek languages were the languages available when the scriptures were written. So let me ask you a very simple question, you know, and I'm sure you did this in your secular studies. 
What comes first? Culture or grammar? Huh? Culture. Okay. So culture begats grammar. Okay. Grammar comes from culture. So the use of words will be defined within a culture. The use of Bible words will be defined within a culture. So it means the moment I adopt your language, I have adopted your culture. The moment I adopt your language, I have adopted your culture. So it means that God will use human language to teach his word. God will use human language to teach his word. What was their thinking then? Will be the Bible's thinking then. What they thought about things, how they spoke, what that language meant in their culture will be what the Bible's communication will be today. Now, you will find the concept of the firstborn. Firstborn. Like the blessing of the firstborn. Abraham conferred that blessing on Isaac. But the critical part of it is Jacob and Esau. In Jacob and Esau's story, it is called birthright. Birthright. If you don't know the culture, you will not know what the birthright was and the blessing. So it is lack of understanding the culture that you will see some churches say it is service of the firstborns. If you are born as a first child, come and be blessed. Is it only a first child that needs blessing, that kind of blessing? Even the third child will need it on the fifth child. But it's lack of understanding culture. So they are reading Bible words in today's culture. Hence, a truth, a major truth of scripture is lost. Firstborn or birthright blessing is Bible. People had assumed that the blessing had to do with material wealth. And that because they lack the understanding of the language, that's why they, you know, they use material wealth. But it was not material wealth because if it was material wealth, then Esau will not be wealthier than Jacob. See that? He will not be wealthier than Jacob. Esau was wealthy. In fact, when Jacob came to give him gifts, he said to Jacob, I have more than enough. I don't need your gifts. So the firstborn is meant to be, let me use something that you can resonate with, something you can understand. You know, because how Bible uses culture to teach, we must understand it so we can apply. How many of you know kingship? You know kingship or village head or a paramount ruler or a king. Okay, a king makes more sense. Kingship is by birth or inheritance. Huh? By birth or inheritance. Okay, now. So they usually take the first child to be the king. Also, herbalists or voodoo specialists, they always transfer their voodoo or herbalism to their first children. Okay? They will tell the first child, get ready. I will soon leave. You will take over. So culture preceded the writing of the Bible. Culture. And usually the guy who is going to inherit his father's kingdom will also inherit his father's wives. 
Huh? You know, some of us are not used to kingdoms here. But that's what happens. He inherits his father's wives. He also inherits his father's enemies. Abby? His father's enemies. But the core issue is he sits where his father sat. That's the core issue in kingship. He sits where his father sat. So the writer of the firstborn, Bakora, in the Hebrew, is an office. An office. So the question will be, what was the father called to be? We have seen that Abraham was called to the land. And he is called to the land to an inheritance. To be part of what God is doing on the earth. Now based on their culture, firstborn should be firstborn child. So Ishmael qualifies to take over from Abraham. Esau qualifies. And Reuben qualifies. Ishmael Esau and Reuben, they are the firstborns by culture. They qualified to take over the inheritance of their parents. But because God's call is by grace. Because the call of God is by grace. So God changes the equation. He gives it to Isaac. He gives it to Jacob. And he gives it to Joseph. He doesn't give it to Ishmael. He doesn't give it to Esau. He doesn't give it to Reuben. Rather, he gives it to Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. It happened in Cain and Abel. He chose Abel, not Cain. That's the Genesis pattern. So I often say that Genesis is the story of God's grace. Abel, not Cain. Isaac, not Ishmael. Jacob, not Esau. Joseph, not Reuben, grace. When he says my pattern, even though he uses their culture, but he does not endorse their culture. He uses their culture to communicate, doesn't mean he endorses their culture, because if he endorses their culture, it will have been Ishmael, it will have been Esau, it will have been Reuben, but he only uses the culture to teach his word and uses his culture to communicate his thoughts and his plan. So that God uses the culture doesn't mean he endorses it. There was nothing to use but that culture. That's all God had available. So the grace of God already teaches us not to exalt culture above God's word. So the firstborn ought to have been Ishmael. God said Isaac. Ought to have been Esau. God said Jacob. Ought to have been Reuben. God said is Joseph. And we go on and on. Even Moses. Even David. Even Solomon. They were all recipients of God's grace. So the concept of firstborn is human culture. But God's message is not human. So what God did was... Abraham passed the inheritance to Isaac. And the inheritance was a land. Abraham passed the inheritance to Isaac. And the inheritance was a land. Now, how many of you remember we said yesterday that Genesis is the plan of God's building? 
Okay? And that when you are building and something is not clear in the building project, what do you do? You go back to the plan, you get the architect, you bring the plan to check. So we are trying to correct the impressions you have had about the call of God to be a vision or a thunder or a voice that says, my son, my son, I have called you. We want to correct that fundamentally and doctrinally from scripture. That's why we are tracing how God calls fundamentally and doctrinally from the Old Testament. Beginning with the call of Abraham. From Abraham to Isaac. From Isaac to Jacob. From Jacob to Joseph. Until we come right into the New Testament. Because you must be persuaded that God has called you. You must be persuaded. And persuasion will come by revelation. And revelation will come from the rightly divided word of truth. If I'm communicating, can I have a good amen? Amen. Now. So Isaac received the land. Which land? Which land? The land that God called Abraham to be a part of. Genesis 20 verse 7. Genesis chapter 20 verse number 7. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife. Restore the man his wife. So when you hear that, you know that they have collected somebody's wife. <laughs> for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, no doubt that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are dying. God, eh? God has a great sense of humor. God has a great sense of humor. The man didn't collect the wife by force. It's the husband that gave the man the wife. And the man, of course, collected. And God says, stop that nonsense. Restore his wife. He's a prophet. You're not hearing something. It looks like my suit is distracting you. Let me remove it. You're not hearing something. Abraham tells lies. By lying, hands over his wife to a man. Abraham has not repented for the lie. And God moves in to say, don't touch her. That man is a prophet. Return the wife with gifts and apologize. The man is still in lies and God says he's a prophet. That's the story of grace. You're not hearing what I'm saying this morning. You think because you have made mistakes, the call of God has left you, you lie. It was waiting for you before you were born. After you were born, it followed you. Till the day you got born again, it now settled in. It's too late. Give him back his wife. The man is a prophet. That's the first mention of the office of a prophet in the Bible. And it was mentioned on a man called Abraham, whom God has shown the land. Whom God has called to an inheritance, to be part of what God is doing on the earth. Teaching good. Now, two things I will talk about. Who Abraham is. What does he call Abraham in that scripture? 
prophet. What is a prophet? Is the word Nabi. N-A-B-I. It means a spokesperson. Nabi. Genesis 14, 19 to 20. Genesis 14, 19 to 20. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Next verse. And blessed be the Most High God, which had delivered thine enemies into their hand, and he gave him tithes of all. Now, what did he call Abraham? Possessor of heaven and earth. But before that, what did he call Abraham? A prophet. So Abraham, as a prophet of God, he is a part of what God is doing on the earth. Possessor of the heavens and the earth. Ask of me and I shall give you the hidden for your inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for your possession. Indeed shall all families of the earth be blessed. Blessed how? By the preaching of the gospel because you are a part of what God is doing on the earth as a prophet of the most high. Now, Abraham called of God. Possessor of the heaven and earth means someone who takes over a territory. It means to acquire by a voice. To acquire by a voice. So Abraham is a preacher and Abraham is a prophet. Abraham also as a preacher and a prophet. Look at Genesis chapter 17 verse 5 and 6. Pay attention. Genesis 17 5 and 6. Neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram. But thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. Look at the next verse. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful. And I will make nations of thee. And kings shall come out of thee. Kings shall come out of thee. He repeats the same to Sarah. So question. Is Abraham a king? Huh? If kings shall come out of him, what is he? A king. Is Abraham a priest? Is Abraham a prophet? So Abraham is a king, a priest, and a prophet. So what will be the birthright of Isaac? A king, a priest, and a prophet. That will be his birthright. The same as Jacob, the same as Joseph. See that? The same as Jacob, the same as Joseph. So what will be the first sign or what was the ordination of Isaac and what was the ordination of Jacob? Revelation. Revelation was their ordination. Isaac began to see visions and hear from God. Joseph began to see visions and hear from God. Do you know that when Joseph gave his father food, he hasn't heard from God. Before he ran. He hasn't heard from God. The only person that had heard from God was Joseph's, I mean Jacob's mother. Jacob hadn't heard from God. But the mother knew what God had said. And the mother stuck to the plan. The father knew what God had said. But the father forgot and was carried away by sentiments. But the mother stayed with the plan. Teaching good. The mother stayed with the plan. The mother was not sentimental. 
The mother was focused on what God has said. Okay? Now, the father was sentimental. So Rebecca told him, I have two nations in my womb. And the older shall serve the younger. That's the vision. <laughs> and I'm sure, uh, you know, the father said, oh, okay. As they grew older, Isaac had liked Esau. Like many dads, they liked their firstborns. Go and bring me venison. Esau, let me eat that my soul may bless you, that you may be called into what I have been called into. Bring me venison. God's grace. The mother had it and said, Jacob, come. Your father doesn't know what he's talking about. Go and make food and bring for your father. Be fast. Because the mother knows what God said. And if the father has gotten to a point where he wants to hand over the call of God to the next generation, then it has to be Jacob, not Esau. So while Esau was going the long route, Jacob went the route of grace. Sharp, sharp, he has brought food. The father did not waste time. He ate and stood up and said, everything that I am, take it. Then the elder brother came. Dad, I have returned. Who did I bless? Who did I bless? Well, the plan. Irrespective of your sentiments, you can't change the plan. You can't change the plan. So the blessing moved from Abraham to Isaac. From Isaac to Jacob. Your brother, brother has been blessed and I cannot change it. He remains blessed. So Jacob ran away. He was on the run. Now how many of you know that as long as Jacob was running, he has not still heard from God. So Jacob thought his mother was punishing him. When you have not heard from God on the call of God and we are pushing you to go for evangelism, you think we are punishing you. When you have not heard from God and we say come for prayer cruise and we start gyrating in prayer and after one hour nobody's looking at your face, you think these people are wicked. They brought me here to punish me. Jacob is running. He thinks that his mother is punishing him, but the mother is following God's plan for his life. I'm teaching good. So Jacob is running. And one day he's running away from his brother and he's trying to sleep. As he lies down on the stone, bam! The ordination took place. He saw. He saw the ladder. He had clear direction. He heard from God. And that's the inheritance of the firstborn. So his father, who heard from God, and the mother, and now Jacob. What was the inheritance of Joseph? Joseph began to see revelation. He saw his brothers bow before him. He saw his father and mother, which was symbolic, bow before him. And he began to announce it. And the brothers hated him. Because the call of God will attract hatred. His brothers hated him. Oftentimes, the people God calls into ministry 
The ministry is not their desire. They have their own personal desires and ambitions. Then God calls out for you. He calls you out. Then he gives you a name. That calling is heavenly. That calling requires revelation. Now let me add. Have you also noticed, unlike Abraham, Jacob knew it was Joseph. The moment Joseph started seeing visions, Jacob knew in his heart that this guy is a real, is a real guy. The first time he saw his brothers. Now, when it got to Joseph's turn, he brought Ephraim and Manasseh. And he had forgotten how it happened. Now he wants to manipulate God's plan. Sometimes we quickly forget that we are all products of God's grace. You look at some people and you feel like, this one, I don't think God can use him. You too, when God started using you, we didn't think God can use you. We too, when God started using us, they didn't think God can use us. The calling is supernatural. And that's why discernment is important among those that are matured. We must never have an entitlement culture to feel we are the only ones called. God can call nobody else. God will use people without your consent. Did you hear that? God will use people without your consent. So the firstborn is an office. Even though it is a culture. God did not use it culturally. He used it only to explain his grace. The office of Abraham as king, as prophet, as priest. He called Abraham out, which means that God's calling is in the family. The call of God is in the family. The God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now, in case you slip into the senses and think I'm talking about natural family, even though God will want your family, all of you to be saved. It also means God wants all of you in your family to be in the ministry. Father, mother, children. That's his plan. Because it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, family. The two children, Isaac and Jacob, were not the first children. He is not the God of Ishmael and Esau. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Which means the family will be the family of faith. The family will be the family of faith. That family that brother Paul will say, I bow my knees unto the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So, take note of this. The family of faith, we have the same calling. The family of faith shares the same calling. The family of faith shares the same inheritance. So if we have the same inheritance, it means therefore we have the same office. And if we have the same office, it means therefore that we have the same purpose. The same family the same inheritance, the same office, the same purpose. I'm teaching good. So that I am not called to the ministry, 
any member of the family in power city saying that is self-deceived. It's the same family, the same calling, the same inheritance, the same purpose. No one is left out. It's a family thing. <laughs> it's a family thing. Let me show you something. The book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. <clears throat> Let's read together like a mass choir, everybody. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. Everybody in this church, I want the social media audience to hear your voices very loud and clear. Can we go? One, two, go. There is and one spirit, even as you are called, in one hope of your call. How many calling? One. How many spirit? One. How many body? One. How many calling? One. Next verse. Everybody want to go. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Next verse. Woo. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. One calling. All of us. All of us are called. And we are called to one calling. The same inheritance, the same purpose, the same mandate. No one is left out. No one is superior. No one is inferior. Whatever we are called to do, we are all called to do it. Glory to God. Imagine somebody says, a member of this church. I'm not called. To, I'm not called. You are self-deceived. That means you don't belong to the family of God. It means you are not born again. Because it's a family inheritance. And all of us are called to this inheritance. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like I'm really teaching God this morning. So, now. <clears throat> can you imagine that your hand. Your hand in your body. Says, I will not walk. I'm not called to walk. You're trying to carry your hand to do something. I will not walk. I'm not called to walk. Any child of God that says, I am not called, is like that hand. Because you're a part of the body. And everyone in the body functions. Except you are not a child of God. So why do we have Pastor Abel? Why do we have Pastor? Since all of us are called to the same purpose, the same assignment. Why do we have Pastor Abel? Why is he standing over us every time and slamming Bible? And... Your pastor is an example. It means looking at your pastor... By picture, what your pastor is communicating to you is what I am doing, is what all of you are supposed to be doing. Your pastor is the example to show you what you're supposed to do in this family as our collective mandate. That's why going for evangelism is our call. The reason why you're struggling is because you don't know that that is your calling. You don't know that that is the purpose for which you are living. If you leave this world without this calling, you wasted your life. Let me repeat. 
If you leave this world without fulfilling this calling to evangelize, to raise disciples, to fulfill the ministry that you have been called to, you only wasted your life on earth. If you lived 70 years on earth and you don't answer the call to minister the gospel of Christ, you wasted 70 years. Translate it to seconds. You wasted those years. Wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. Ministry is the purpose why you were created. Turn to somebody sitting by you say, hey, 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 neighbor. Ministry is the reason why you were created. That's why you came to the earth. The hope of his calling. The call into his inheritance. That inheritance is to be part of what God is doing in the earth. So, the calling stays in the family. We have a family calling. We have a family calling. And this family has Jews and Gentiles. People from every nation, tribe and tongue. The family of God. The household of faith. And we have the same calling. Now listen carefully. This calling is not natural. Otherwise, it will have been Ishmael. If it was natural, it will have been, you know, Isaac. If it was natural, I mean, it will have been Ishmael, not Isaac. It will have been Esau, not Jacob. It will have been Reuben, not Joseph. But it's not natural. The moment by faith... You key into what God called Abraham to do. You have the firstborn inheritance. The moment you receive the call to ministry, you have received the inheritance of the firstborn. And it's a calling to be a king. And I mean, if you know, king in the Old Testament also means shepherd. <laughs> king in the Old Testament also means shepherd. So you're called to be a shepherd, to be a priest, and to be a prophet. Now that takes us to Genesis chapter 1. What did God call man as? Genesis 1.26. Put it up. Glory to God. Are you still here? Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Next verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Next verse. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. He is referring to humanity, not the male gender. God created man, humanity. Because there was no Adam and Eve until chapter 2 and 3. So chapter 1, God was speaking to mankind, male and female. He's referring to humanity, not the male gender. So male and female created them. Which means irrespective of your walk, irrespective of your physical make, irrespective of your biology, irrespective of your reproductive system, your calling is not defined by that. Your calling is not defined by marital status. Your calling is not defined by family status. 
Your calling is not defined by singlehood, married, widowed. It makes no difference. You are called into the image and into the likeness of God. You are called into the image and into the likeness of God. And he said, let them have dominion. Is that not the king? That's the king. Subdue. Is that not the king? That's the king. So in Genesis 2.15, he takes Adam into a garden. That garden of Eden is a supernatural place. A supernatural place. And he said to Adam to dress it and to keep it. The word dress there is the word abad. A-B-A-D is used majorly for priests. To keep the garden. To dress and to keep is Moses' instruction to the priests. To dress and to keep. So in Adam we find a king. But in Genesis 2.21 God made Adam to fall into a deep sleep. Then he saw who? A woman. He didn't see a wife. He saw a woman. That's the prophet's office. He slept deep and he saw. He's a priest, he's a king. So a king, a priest, and a prophet is why you were made. Even before Adam made the choice, God already put a call on him to be a king, a priest, and a prophet. But in making the choice, he rejected God's offer. So it was not because you got born again that God called you. It's because you were born a human being. So the call of God predated the day of your salvation. You were called before you got born again. It is that call that brought you to salvation. Remember yesterday we said it, salvation, separation, and purpose. You remember that? Yeah. He said to Jeremiah, while you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew thee and I ordained thee a prophet from your mother's womb. Paul said, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his glory in me. So, from my mother's womb, I already had the call. Even though I was killing Christians, but the call of God was following me. It is that call that brought me to salvation. Salvation is the fundamental acceptance of God's call. So, you can't say you are not called. The day you received Christ was the day you answered the call. From that fundamental acceptance we now build you up to discover that purpose of that calling so you fulfill that purpose i'm teaching good this morning yeah that's the day you accepted the call adam so i'm not talking about an earthly king and priest i'm talking about a supernatural office that's why you were created you were created to answer God's call, which begins with salvation. Salvation brings order to your life. Salvation puts things in order. Yeah. Salvation brings order. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, there was disorder. The earth was without form, void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was total disorder. And God puts order. Let there be light. Salvation is order. Let there be light. God who commanded the light 
to shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts, bringing order to our lives. Paul equates Genesis 1-3 to the preaching of the gospel. Which means when the gospel was preached to you, we called you out. When you heard the gospel, you were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We called you out. Which means we gave you a purpose through preaching. When we preached to you the gospel, we called you out and we gave you a purpose to live for. And what is that purpose? To preach the gospel. So the gospel that saves you now becomes your responsibility and purpose and assignment in life. The gospel that saves you. Salvation calls you out or salvation calls out to you, then calls you out and then gives you a purpose to live for. Salvation calls out to you, then calls you out and gives you a purpose to live for. Gives you a purpose to live for. Your calling is your salvation. In salvation, you find a purpose to live. Our calling, therefore, in power city, is a collective calling. And every child of God, by the way. Why then do we, did we have many priests? Well, Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. Pay attention. Exodus chapter 4 verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Who is my son? Is Israel one person or a nation? So because they are his collective son, he treats all of Israel as one. Because the calling is one. The purpose is one. The mandate is one. So he sees all of us as one. He calls us my son. Not my sons. One body, one spirit, one faith, one calling. Collective, corporate assignment. Nobody can say I'm not part of it. Israel is my son. So if you see somebody in ministry today, he is your example of what you're supposed to be doing. Did he include women in that, my son? Yes. That means the whole nation had the inheritance of the firstborn. The whole nation, male and female. Remember we read a text consistently where they said, can a man put away his wife for every cause? Now those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you need to rewind back to what I taught a few days ago. And he said, have you not read in the beginning? Have you not read in the beginning? Male and female, not husband and wife. Adam saw woman. He didn't see wife. Because until you see a woman's true identity, you're not fit to have a wife. You must first of all see the woman in her as her calling and her purpose, which is equal to your own. 
non-inferior, non-superior. Two of them. Two equal sides of a building that makes the house. I told you, your wife is not your missing rib. If your rib is missing, get a doctor to fix your rib. It's a medical condition. If your rib is missing, go and get a doctor. Because the word R-I-B in the Bible is not rib in your today's English. The Bible word rib means a side of the building that is equal to the other side on which the building stands. So when Adam saw the rib, he was seeing a pair of the house that he said the other side of the pair. That's why he called a woman because he's a man. So after he saw a woman, out of a woman, he now saw a wife. So she has to be a woman first before she becomes a wife. Wife doesn't define her. Woman defines wife. The true identity. A woman is not defined by her marital status. She is defined by her true identity in Christ. And a man must see that first. If not, he will abuse her. Because when purpose is not defined, abuse is inevitable. Get the material, they are there. Teaching good. Jesus said to them, have you not read? They said, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife? Did you see that? For a man to put away his wife. So she is a wife. He is a man. He is a man. She is a wife. So that's why he can put her away. Jesus said, have you not read? Before Deuteronomy 24, it is Genesis 1 and 2. Have you not read that male and female created them? That man and woman are equal in creation. You must see that first. Before marriage. Have you not read? Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to put her away. But from the original plan, it wasn't so. One man listened to me teach this in America and he wrote me a mail, he said, no, in London, he wrote me a mail just recently. He said, Dr. Damina, I love what you taught. The way you approach the Bible, I've never seen it like that. But I need more because I don't want my wife to hear this teaching until I understand it. <laughs> I don't want my wife... <laughs> To hear this teaching until I understand it first. <laughs> so I transferred him and his concern to our pastor to follow him up and educate him some more. It's not saying that the woman will not submit to the husband. But what we're saying, first of all, is before even there is marriage, there is a woman. And you don't take that from her because she's married. 
You don't take that. Because that's her true identity. That's her true word. She is a woman of God before a wife to a husband. And when you see her as a joint heir, a joint heir of the grace of God, you treat her like that. That is honor. Your marriage will always receive from God. But when you see her as inferior, that means she's not a joint heir with you of the grace of God. You will treat her less than who she is in Christ. Well, go and get the material. Teaching good this morning. It is because you realize that your wife is first of all a woman. Equal side with you. That's why when she's washing plates, you don't feel bad jumping in there, folding the sleeves of your shirt and helping her to wash plates. It doesn't reduce you. It just means you're identifying with a joint heir of yours. That doesn't mean you should now tell your husband, oh, yeah, come and wash. Your husband has to see revelation. Because Adam had to see revelation first before he married. When you see me scratching my head like this, it's for you I'm doing it. <laughs> I'm teaching good. If there's a lady sitting by you, tell her you are a woman of God. You are not just a wife material. Wife material. You are you a man material? Are you a husband material? You're always looking for wife material. Did they sell it in the labor market? How many yards are you looking for? Since it's the material, how many yards? Is it four yards or five yards? See your head. <laughs> Teaching good this morning. Where are the women of God in this house? Shout glory! See, I'm a woman of God. There's a call of God on my life. I have a mandate of God. My place is not in the kitchen. My place is on the altar. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I didn't hear a powerful amen. That's who you are. And don't let anybody take that from you. Because when you see Jesus, you're not going to account for how you took care of your husband. You're not going to account for how you raised your children. You're going to account for your impact in the gospel. And that's the only thing you'll be rewarded for. In heaven, nobody will know you were married. It doesn't exist. And there's no reward for it. The reward of marriage is here. In heaven, nobody will know that you are the mommy of these people. It doesn't exist. There will be no mommy, no daddy. We only have one father, Jesus Christ. Even your children will not know you were their mommy. They will just know that you are a sister in Christ. Glory to God, sis. Say, yeah, bros, what's up, man? Nobody will remember. Canality will be gone. This memory will be gone. The only memory we'll have is revelation knowledge. I'm teaching God this, man. It's only revelation knowledge. 
And if you are going to be rewarded for your children, it's not because you raised them up and sent them to school. It's because you got them born again and you discipled them and raised them in the knowledge of Christ. So that investment, spiritual investment, is what you'll be rewarded for, not the schools you send them to. Selah. So the whole nation is my firstborn. Now, if it is so, why then in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, Moses asked for the tribe of Levi, Levi to produce the priests? Why were they only Levites? Since God wanted everybody to be, uh, to be, to be a priest. Well, Jesus now said, the reason is because of what? The hardness of your heart. Unbelief, resistance to the will of God. Otherwise, Exodus 19 verse 1 to 5, pay attention. Exodus 19 verse 1 to 5. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Next verse. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel came before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord God called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus, thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. This is what you will tell them. You have seen what I did unto Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Next verse. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. All of you. That's the plan of God. I want all of you to be priests. And holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. But Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, had to raise Levites to be your priests. Because all of you rejected the call to be God's priests. But from the beginning, it was not so. The plan was that all of us should be priests. So that's why in the resurrection, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal. That plan has come to be. All of us are called to be priests and kings and prophets. So why did they have to choose Levi? Because of the hardness of the hearts of the Israelites, the Jews. So the call of God upon our lives is primarily corporate. If God now seems to give grace to certain people that he hasn't given to others, it's still for us to fulfill that calling. So question, are you called to the ministry? No, that's not the right question. Even though some of you answered. The right question should be, are you saved by grace? How many of you are saved by grace? If you are saved by grace, say saved by grace. Then you are called. If you are saved, you are called. What have you been doing with it? How do you complain about your purpose for living? But that's why you were created. Some say, ah, no, it's too much to preach this gospel. But that's why you were created. That's why you were created. Your life will find no meaning. Your life will struggle for contentment till you agree with what you were created for. 
Only the manufacturer knows why he made the product. And the Bible is the manual for this product. We have a corporate calling. It's one calling over this house. Over one mankind. And we find that call in Jesus Christ. It is called salvation. So which means the calling on your life is not based on your desire, your skills, your talents. It's not your career. Yesterday I took time to show you that your career is not the call of God. Your career is your choice. You chose to be a doctor. You chose to be a lawyer. You chose to be a mechanic. You chose to be a carpenter. God didn't call you to that. And that's why those professions end here. They end here. You don't go beyond this life with any of those professions. The only thing that will outlive you is what existed before you. The call to ministry. The call to ministry. The nation of Israel didn't have the same career. Abraham didn't have the same career with Isaac and Jacob. They didn't have the same career. All the apostles didn't have the same career. But they had a corporate call. To be priests, prophet, and king. Preachers of the gospel. Their careers were different. Their careers were different. Your calling is that supernatural path that you thread and follow. How do you know what is this calling? You don't want to miss the next service. How will you know the call of God? And how will you make it work? How will you fulfill it? Next service. For many of us here, I believe that this week has opened supernatural chapters for our lives. It has opened to us to begin to see clearly what you were created for. You were created, you were designed to fulfill the call of God. And the call of God is ministry. Each one of us here. Your calling is the call to be part of God's firstborn inheritance. That's what he gave you. God didn't give you a career, you gave yourself. Amen. You chose your family and God blessed them. Uh, is it not you that chose your family? You chose your family. You picked the wife you wanted. Two of you came together and produced a child. You chose your family. Then your child grew and chose his own wife. They came together and produced their own. You chose your family. Then your child grew up and made his own choice and they produced their own. No be so. You chose your family. You could have married an Indian woman and be half caste. But you married from Morukana and you remained in Akwaibo. It's choice. You could have married a British girl. You could have been born in London and be a British citizen and marry a British girl. But your parents decided to give birth to you in Anwa. <laughs> choice. Choice. And let me be honest with you. Till tomorrow, I'm proud to be a Nigerian. Till tomorrow. There's something about this country. <laughs> let me close this up. There's some, this country. <laughs> this is our country like this. 
Ah, there's something about this country. <laughs> now, now you're complaining. Nigeria, I don't understand this country. Hi, 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 hi. You go to America after three weeks. Can I go home? <laughs> Can I go home? <laughs> Can I go home? I want to see Nigeria. I miss fresh afang soup. I miss fresh pounded yam. Can I go home? I want to go home. <laughs> Missing the love at home. <laughs> Somebody shout glory. Turn to your neighbor and say there's a call of God on your life. There's a mandate of God on your life. That's the reason why you were created. That's the reason why you were born. And that calling predated you. And that calling will outlive this life. It's a call to preach the gospel. Can you stand on your feet and shout, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the call of God. I am called by God. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, you are standing by a man of God. I am a man of God. I'm waiting to hear the women shout, I am a woman of God. Say the call of God is on my life. I preach the gospel. I save the lost. I shine the light of God in a dark world. And in the name of Jesus, my life on earth will not be wasted. I will fulfill this call. I will preach this gospel and I will be a blessing to my world. I didn't hear a powerful amen. Lift your hands up. Father, thank you for everybody. Under the sound of my voice this morning, in this service online, on television, on radio, revelation knowledge grows big in your heart until nothing else matters. In the name of Jesus. And I decree that that call of God upon your life, you have answered to that call, you grow and fulfill that call in the name of Jesus. You will fight the good fight of faith. Look at me everybody. Brother Paul says, I have fought a good fight of faith. Ministry is a fight. Listen carefully. Things will never be together for you to do ministry. Things will never be together. You must just stand up and obey God and do ministry. And as you begin, things will begin to fall in place. If you are waiting for everything to be okay before you answer the call, you will never answer. Because the more you are waiting, the more the devil will increase the intensity of the fight. The devil don't want you to fulfill your ministry. He doesn't want, because once he succeeds in making you not fulfill your ministry, he has achieved something. He couldn't stop you from salvation. But he can stop you from serving the purpose for salvation. So you must fight. It's a fight. I have fought a good fight. There's never a good time to start ministry. Now is the time. Now is the time. Am I teaching here? Now is the time. You've got to start somewhere. And you've got to start someday. And why not today? You're in a church where you're fed. You're in a church where you're taught. You're in a church where you're providing leadership. You're in a church where you're giving direction. You're in a church where you're giving instruction. You don't lack anything here. You have every opportunity to fulfill the mandate of God for your life. People are watching me all over the world. People that are not even in this physical building just by following online. They've started ministry and they're doing exploits. How much more you that is here? 
How much more you that is here, right under my face. That sometimes when I even preach, my saliva falls on you. You have direct contact. If people from afar, by the aid of electronic media, can learn ministry, grow and fulfill ministry, they are not even here to get first-hand instructions. They are not here to get me to answer their private questions. They are not here to get me help them through some rough edges. Yet from afar, they are doing ministry. Those people are the judgment for you. They are the judgment. You have no excuse. That was inexcusable, oh man. Ministry is the reason why you were born before anything. And you must answer that call. And that call is being answered right now. I didn't hear a good amen. Say with me, for this purpose was I born. To this end I came to the world. To preach the gospel. To be a blessing to my generation. I didn't hear a good amen. Am I teaching good here? You have all you need. You have the spirit of God in you. You are being equipped with knowledge. You are being empowered. You receive impartations all the time. You have no excuse. Father, I pray for everybody. That nobody in this congregation, nobody following me around the world, online or on television or on radio, will be left behind. In the name of Jesus. Together an army is rising all over the blue marble planet. All over the whole world. An army of men that will preach this gospel until the whole earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. And we give you praise for answered prayer. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says that amen on a note of finality. If you believe you are the one called of God, I'd like you to go ahead and celebrate the call of God upon your life. If you are not ashamed of your calling, get excited and happy. Glory. Glory. Amen. All right, grab your honor offerings. Let's honor Christ. Let's honor his word. I have already talked about the books. Make sure you order for the books. Order for the books. And I also announced a few days ago that Jile, my third daughter, released her, her single on, on, on all the various streaming platforms. You can go check it out, listen to it, enjoy it, play it in your car, introduce your children to it. They will love that music. I love that music. I've been playing it myself. And if you just get on, on, on any of the streaming platforms, just type, um, Step It Up by Jile Damina. Step It Up. It's a call to action. Take that action. Do that ministry. Fulfill that purpose. Somebody shout a powerful amen. amen. Alright, let me also announce that um, our project for television, national television, we should be signing the contract tomorrow. We finally agreed. They've given us, they've given us some very beautiful air times. You know, and uh, finally it is with TVC. TVC channel. Okay, So, if you have TVC anywhere, you will see this, my black face on TVC. <laughs> beginning, beginning from the 1st of May. Beginning from when? The 1st of May. Alright, we wanted one week. They have not been able to give us one week because the whole slots are filled. But they've been able to give us four days. And they promised us that within the next one month, the, some programs will expire. And they will give us the slots to complete our seven days. 
Okay, so uh, we're going to begin first of May. I've already told you how much we're looking at. Some of you have made commitments. If you're yet to make commitment to help us get that project on, guys, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, one of the ways we can get this gospel quickly into homes and raise an army of people is television. Television gets everywhere. Hear the name, television. So we want to go there and tell this nation and the rest of Africa a vision. The vision of reintroducing Jesus to this generation. Okay, so you want to give us, want to help us with a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars, five hundred dollars. Remember, somebody gave for you to hear. If you give more people, we hear. This is big for us because this will get everywhere. This will get. It's a news channel, a national news channel, and it's on DSTV. It's on Star Times. It's on Go Times. So you know, it's 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 huge, and it will get the attention that we need to get. And it's going to be every day bombardment of the gospel. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward. Are you excited about it? So if you want to give towards it, shoot a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. We will send you all the banking details. We have to the last Sunday of this month to redeem the commitment. And for those of you in church that have not been a part of it, you can be a part of it today. Amen. And thank you those of you that have started redeeming and sending in your money. Thank you so much. Thank you for being a part of what we are doing to cover the earth. To answer to the call of God to get this gospel to the ends of the earth. Can I have a powerful amen? All right, lift up your offerings, everybody. Father, we give in faith, we give with joy. Our offerings are a sweet smell before you. And we thank you for the privilege to make a difference in the preaching of the gospel. And to make a difference in our world through our finances. And we rejoice that everyone under the sound of my voice, those giving online, those giving on television, those giving in the campuses, those giving by way of radio, your needs are met supernaturally in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Glory! I'll be live at 11 a.m. GMT plus one. You don't want to miss what I'll be teaching in continuation of what I already taught this morning. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you. Make sure you send in all your offerings. The accounts are on the screens. They are scrolling on all the various platforms. And until we see you at 11 a.m. GMT plus one, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Anywhere on the pulpit, you drop your... your, your